Whoa, easy there, Greg. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was the ketchup bottle. Are you sure about that, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I'm very sure. I didn't cut a fart at Christmas dinner. I wouldn't do that. Welcome to Blood and Black Run Podcast's Festivus Series. This year, we're bringing you all kinds of Yuletide classics, such as Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, They Did It Again, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Oh, James Bond, you seasonal scoundrel, Trading Places, where people are just shitty, and The Santa Clauses, the newest conservative Disney Plus TV show. We hope you enjoy all season long. Hey guys, welcome back to Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my elfin co-host, Martin. How's it going? Doing pretty well. We're still balls deep in the Festivus series. Having fun with our Christmas movies. And actually, you know what? This year has been more of a... It was, it's, been, it's been less about Christmas and more about the stories that are told around the time. Right, because we did. I mean, we did Home Alone too. That's definitely a Christmas movie, and we then we did Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which again I'm going to point out, Martin picked that one. Not super Christmassy, but it does have Christmas a, in it. It's a Christmas film. And uh, today we got another film that kind of fits on the boundary of being a film that we would generally cover, and being one that just happens to be taking place around the Christmas season. Uh, Christmas and New Year season. And uh, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of fun to do these movies that, you know, aren't necessarily really specifically about Christmas. Because, you know, we do a lot of movies previously that are really specifically about Christmas. Either they have killer Santas in them or they, you know, take place solely on Christmas. It's kind of fun to do a, a year where we take a break from that and focus on other things. Focus on I the story. Say you're, uh, I will say you're wrong. Because if Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie, it's true. Trading Places. Lethal Lethal Weapon is tangentially a Christmas movie as well. It's one of those movies that's like got Christmas happening in the background. You know, there's there's a Christmas tree lot, but it's not really that Christmassy. (laughs) How dare you? That Eric Clapton blues is what makes it Christmassy. It's like the (laughs) precursor to Law and Order theme. It really is. Yeah getting too old for this shit that's me every time we watch a fucking super christmas movie where everyone's just running around like it's christmas i'm like just like i'm getting too old for this shit well you know the the other thing too about this movie is that um it is sort of the precursor to uh john hughes movies you know set during the holiday season it's 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 similar in theme and scope and if you didn't look at the uh, the the crew on this movie, you might think that it was a John Hughes movie at times. Um, but no, we've got a different John up to bat on this one. John Landis. I fa- say one of our favorite Johns. Yeah, we've uh, we covered uh, the uh, one of one of his best uh, horror movies, uh, which is American Werewolf in London. Um, what was that like half a year ago? We did that. Yeah, we Something did that like earlier that. this year. Yeah. yeah. We also have done uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. We did, that ill-fated, tragic <laughs> movie. Um, and I think that's it for John Landis so far. All right. Yeah. We haven't touched on Animal House yet. 
we haven't gotten to the Blues Brothers, which I have to admit I've never seen. You've never seen Blues Brothers? I have not. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Need to rectify that, I guess, huh? You know what? That's going to be next year's Christmas, where we rectify your mistakes on film watching. We're going to see Star Wars. We're going to do, Star Wars. which is Christmassy. We're going to do Rocky, because there's Christmas and Rocky. It's true. And uh, Blues Brothers. No Christmas to be found, but just rectify, like... The, the ghosts of Christmas past. How have you not, like, ran into the Blues Brothers in 33 years of your fucking life? I've actively avoided it. Why? No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. It's just never been a thing. I do know that people love it, you know. Um, it's a great film. Right. Yeah, I do. It's I know hilarious. I know that, you know, but I just... I own a Blues Brothers Greatest Hits CD, so, you know. You're the real fan. I bought that thing back in, like, 2006. You're like, mm, gotta uh, own it. At the FYE down Crossgates Mall, and when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta listen to it because not only do I love watching the movie, I love the songs they play. You know, the closest I've gotten to the Blues Brothers movie is seeing them reenact somewhat of the same, like something of the same characters on According to Jim. Because <laughs> Dan, Dan Aykroyd would make an appearance every now and then on According to Jim, and he'd pull out like his fucking accordion or whatever god you could have you you could have saved that for the jim belushi uh watch that we're gonna have later on in this yeah uh and then the other part is uh christmas the cranks when dan Aykroyd is going to town with his polka they're not a polka band no i know but it just again it reminds me of like him in his characters his musical characters it's funny but yeah, no, according to Jim, definitely where I... Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, but we're... No, Everyone's... We're... According to Jim, a.k.a. Everybody loves Raymond with less talented people. <laughs> kind of true, but I did have a soft place in my heart for it. For whatever reason, it was something that I tuned in for every every week. According to Jim, it's kind of like King of Queens, but not as funny. Well, it's it's definitely... Uh, we're way off track here, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> It's definitely one of those shows where, like Sarah likes to say, like the schlub somehow gets like the, the, uh, the, the eight or or nine, on the wife scale. <laughs> it's like schlub who doesn't do anything, and then his wife does literally everything: cooking, cleaning, uh, yeah. And then constantly the storyline is about how the husband doesn't do anything and messed yeah. up something else. Like grounded for life. Uh, yeah, still standing. Would be another one. Remember, still standing. Uh, yeah, Dharma and Greg. Uh, not so much. <laughs> Greg wasn't really a schlub. He was a lawyer, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Was like an attorney. He wasn't a schlub. Yeah, no. He was bringing Dharma. home the bacon. Dharma was, was like, D- I'm, D- I'm drinking kombucha. I was say Dharma. Dharma was the schlub. Yeah, that Dharma was the schlub with rich parents. Becker. Becker. Uh yeah. Well, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, you're I'm just, just now. You're just naming CBS shows. And shit. I'm just. I'm just naming like the low rent <laughs> spinoffs because like, yeah. like that. You know. Then you know. I'm always amazed that uh, uh, Frasier lasted like 12 seasons and went 300 yeah. episodes. Because uh, didn't they have a revival too? Just not too long ago. I think they had like a, a quick. I don't know. It's like one season. Like same thing with Murphy Brown. He did like a one season revival of it. <laughs> Something I don't like know, that. But it's, 
Okay, well, today we're, we're to get back on track, uh, unless we're going to do a whole uh, sitcom Sick. podcast. Yeah, uh, we should do like a 90s to mid-2000s shitty, uh, shitty, uh, shitty uh, sitcom rundown. Um, we're talking about Trading Places today. The 1983 movie from John Landis, starring Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. Uh, it's a movie that I've seen once before, um, and it was during the Christmas season. It was one of those things where I looked online. It's like, what other Christmas movies are there that I haven't seen? You know, haven't like something that hasn't really popped out to me. It was a, like a Dutch moment, you know. You know, like looking online. What else is there? And then at the bottom of the list, they're like, if you've seen everything else on this list, check out Dutch. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, so true that, that's so true <laughs> not for me it's not but i, it's like I thought i would through, poke you, fun at it you go you go through the list and like you've seen all of them watch, watch yeah planes trains and automobiles if you're really serious about not rewatching planes trains and automobiles i guess you can try dutch yeah <laughs> well this one is one that I, f- I found on a list and I was like, yeah, Trading Places. It's actually a Christmas movie. And it's one of the, you know, it's a, a it's a great movie from John Landis and it's also a Christmas movie. So you can watch it during the, the holiday season. So I was like, all right, let's check it out. So we did. And we actually liked it. And we're like, yeah, that was a good movie. Haven't really returned to it because, again, it's not like extremely Christmassy where you're like, I need to I need to have that during my holiday season. This is more of a movie you could watch at any time and it just happens to t- also take place at Christmas. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it when I saw it the first time. And so this is my second time watching it. And I still enjoyed it. Still still had a lot of fun with it. Um, also, I do – I think we've said on the show before, I have a real big gap with Eddie Murphy movies. Like I haven't seen a lot of Eddie Murphy's prime movies um, at that – you know, during the 80s. I haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop, which we talked about in the last episode, I think. Jesus I haven't Christ. seen um, Coming to America. haven't seen it. John Lane's <laughs> film. Um. So yeah, I have it like uh, the Golden Child. Haven't seen. Not missing too much. Out. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen a lot of Eddie Murphy's movies at that time. So um, this is what one of those. Say what about his stand-up fraud, Delirious? Uh, I have seen that. Yep, I have seen that one. You seen both Raw and Delirious? Um, I can't actually. Which one did I see? I think I watched one at your house. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't remember which one, but. We watched one of them. I do, I do was remember. Was he wearing a red suit or a purple I suit? Fucking have, I think it was red, maybe, if I was... <laughs> that was delirious. Okay. And I think it was that one. Uh, <laughs> I have no fucking clue. I took a guess. It was red. Um, yeah. Uh, so, did, you, did you see Dr. Doolittle in the 90s? Yeah, I did. I did. And The yeah, Nutty Professor and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I saw Dr. Doolittle in theaters. Oh. Mm-hmm. Don't think I did that. That was a formative experience in my life i saw um daddy take daddy daycare Uh, i'm sorry to hear that (laughs) i've seen that one uh the haunted mansion i've seen (laughs) um back to trading places uh you you, how many times have you seen this one probably like six or seven times wow that many times huh they used to air it on comedy central all the time gotcha nope and probably not during christmas right but just like randomly throughout the year um, you know, I can't remember what time of, uh, what time of the season it was. I just know it was like during high school that I watched it quite a few times, uh, because they used to play it all the time on there for like a little while. 
it's like they got the rights for it for like three months and they're like we're gonna fucking use it and you mm. know fill in that dead spot but uh but yeah i've seen it like i haven't seen it in probably 15 years but no probably 10 years 10 years but i have seen it a bunch and it's always a film that i really liked because again i do like john landis films quite a bit i think he's you know a very good director has really good material that he's you know put out very always very consistent very funny great casting great funny storylines and trading places is uh no different yeah i mean i i i think this is a this is a fun movie we'll talk about you know why what makes it so fun um but it has a great cast to it and you know it's got a lot going on especially you know it's a it's a two hour long movie so it's a fairly long movie but the idea is pretty fun because it does kind of bring up that idea of like uh nature versus nurture and uh the things that you're given versus that you earn um i think it's kind of an interesting uh twist on that like i mean because we've seen there's a lot of movies that do switching places right i just read a christmas book that was about switching places for the holidays yeah it's called freaky friday <laughs> yeah, right? yeah but there's a lot of a lot of movies that do this but trading places does it in a pretty interesting way um and uh i will we'll talk about all of that as we we get into the movie but uh but first let's take a break we've got a, a nice holiday treat on the show today for for our beer talk um compared to last week <laughs> yeah right um we have a new beer from beer tree uh, which we've had on the show a f- quite a few times now. Um, one of our favorites. Uh, they have released uh, a winter warmer, which is kind of different for them. You know, they they do a lot of IPAs too. I mean, they they have a, a ver- various series. They do sours. They do IPAs. Um, this one is a winter warmer, and it's I was called. Say, well, I was to say most of the stuff that we've done by them spend their mix. Uh... <clears throat> Their mixed stuff, the right. like fruit, fruit sours with like you know different you know things going on with it that are very very diverse in like the fruits and the mixings they use, like you know oats and yogurt and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is nice to see that they're you know busting out something that's nice and cozy for the winter time. Absolutely, I'm I'm always a big fan of trying out winter warmers. Um. They can be hit or miss. It depends too for me because I'm not a big spice guy. Um, spice in the sense of like your winter spices like nutmeg and cardamom and stuff like that. Uh, but I do uh, tolerate them during the, the winter. That? What? Cardamom? Cardamom. What the hell's that? I don't know. It's a different spice. <laughs> Some other fucking spice. Oh, you said you said it so confidently. Like, Well, I, that's like... what this beer has. So that's why I said oh. it confidently. But... Um, this one, and also too, like molassesy flavors, and sometimes not my favorite. So, um, you don't like molasses? I do to an extent. It's not my favorite thing, but uh, what's, what's the best cookie around? Not fucking gingerbread or anything like that. Molasses with frosting on top. No, yeah, best cookie around. I'm not a huge fan. Hands down, if I could find a bag of like those Archway cookies with the molasses icing, oof. Stay out of my way. Gonna go to Powtown with it. But I will say that I always give a winter warmer a try. 
And uh, this one's called Flannel Lined Everything. And it has a nice little jaunty can. It's got a nice flannel, you know, buffalo plaid flannel uh, design on it, which I like. That's, that's not buffalo. It's not red, white, blue. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, like, I was like, no, it certainly is buffalo plaid. That is what it is. <laughs> so this one is uh, uh, Spice Winter Ale, 6.3%. Um, the can list, like I said, I was telling you kind of everything that's that's in this beer. Blackstrap molasses, cinnamon, mm. cardamom, mm. ginger, nutmeg, mm. clove, mm. dried orange peel, oh, and yeah. freshly ground coriander. Sounds like you're getting ready for the the holiday season, stringing popcorn and uh, um, making your gingerbread houses, and uh, make it putting those cloves in the uh, the oranges. Man, you must have had a sunshine rainbows childhood. We didn't do any of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't do it every year, but I did do it. All those Dickensies, a Christmas Carol, a Christmas, you know. Uh, things you just described never happened over at the Martin household. <laughs> I I did string popcorn one year. I did put those little fucking cloves in the uh, oranges. Whatever. Why, I don't. Why you do that? I'm not really sure. But the Clementine. Little yeah. Clementine. Yeah. You, yeah. Never did that. The popcorn we did at like school mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like uh, like and you'd bring home like look what I did, mom, and then she'd throw it in the garbage. Wow. You know? mm. Um. How about the uh, the red and green um, like chains? Did you make those like the red and oh. green decoration chains that you would hang up with the strips of paper? Oh, the daisy chain. Yeah, things? no, that's at school. I wasn't at home. Yeah, no. you save that shit for school, not at home. Fun. Listen, we were we were a festivist family. We had our pull up. You aired grievances. A lot of airing of grievances. Uh, Dad used to, you know, put on the feet of strength by, you know, putting me in a sharpshooter. I've got a lot of grievances for you people. I'm gonna be bringing the Vestivus pole to work, and you should. I was telling people, I, I, you know, it's funny. Fucking that episode of Seinfeld's bound for like thirty goddamn years now, and there's still people who, and I'm not even a big Seinfeld fan, but like, there's a lot of people who still don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, like Vestivus, and like, what the hell's that? And it's like. Airing of grievances beats strength. Wow. Nice you don't pole. know what it is, huh? No, no. It's ridiculous. No, it's ridiculous. All right, so, winter warmer. How do you feel about this one? No, no, it's not winter warmer. It's flannel lined everything. Spiced and winter not, warmer. And I would say, and it's not a winter warmer. It's a spiced winter ale. Because winter warmers are garbage for the most part. <laughs> um. And because it is a winter a spiced winter ale, um, we haven't really done a lot of winter uh, winter warmer style beers on this podcast in a long time because both uh, Ryan and I don't care for them because generally they're overly alcoholy, very dried fruity, figs, plums, prunes, all that fruitcake nonsense. I don't want that in life. Don't want that in a beer. <laughs> So this spiced winter ale is something that I can get behind because it's something that I would look for as I'm trying to cozy up by the fire as winter storm, whatever the hell is coming on down and going to bury us in snow in two days. Um, It's beautiful. It's warm. It's rich. 
nice, delightful cinnamon and nutmeg taste. Um, coriander, like a nice Belgian. It's nice and spicy. Hints of pepperiness. Mildly bready. It is malty, but it's not like overly malty. You do get a bit of orange, you know, orange zest to it too. It's very good. Very warming. What I, in my mind, if I were to like choose a style that I would want for the winter months that are coming, this is, would be right up there with a short spear because it's drinkable, it's warm. Gives you all that good, good feeling, like you're drinking a nice cup of chai tea during when you're sick during these shitty months. I like it a lot, and I think they did a very good job. And I would highly recommend this to other people to try if you like things like nutmeg, cinnamon, and coriander. Uh, as you said on the Untapped review, people were saying pumpkin, pumpkiny. I kind of get that, um, only just because. The main thing that makes a pumpkin beer kind of pumpkin beer is the nutmeg, and so the fa- and that's why you don't really taste like actual pumpkin. It's just kind of like a nutmeg blast, and you kind of get that with this. It's more balanced with the fact that it's got the cinnamon and the clove and the <clears throat> coriander. But I do get that if you were to drink this, you kind of compare it to like a pumpkin ale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of pumpkin ale, but uh, I do get a little bit of what that would be like. It's, you know, that nutmegginess is is definitely something that comes out. Um, I do think that this beer is really, really uh, balanced. It has a nice spice to it, but it's not overpowering. It's not, you know, gonna knock your socks off with with spices, especially if you're not a big fan of spices like me. Um, I think it's just nicely balanced enough where you can appreciate them, but not feel like they're just too overpowering uh, on the palate. So it's really, really balanced, really, um, really tasty, and it's a nice one of those beers that is is definitely somewhat warming for the uh, winter season, holiday season. This is obviously not specifically a Christmas beer, but um, it has a nice warming quality to it that I would recommend as a you know, winter, full-time winter beer. Um, I like it. I think they did a good job with this, especially considering um, that's not really specifically within their wheelhouse. And uh, glad to see that they're branching out a little bit and doing winter ales and stuff like that. Always always glad to support Beer Tree with uh, stuff that they do. And I'd get it again. I would say that too. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Beer Tree, for sponsoring. Just kidding. They don't sponsor. Would be nice if they did. Just send us stuff. Great. Um, all right. So, on to trading places. So, this movie um, surprised me f- for with one thing that I did not remember about it. And I did not remember that JD- Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. That is something that just completely... Um, bypassed my memory and it's probably because my wife made me close my eyes during Jamie Lee Curtis's scenes that's probably what it was absolutely not you're not looking at those well formed boobas hatas <laughs> it's hard to believe this is the same frumpy woman from Halloween I'm. you know what do you think Christopher Guest was sitting on the side like when they were like now you want Jamie to have her boobs out and he's like oh 
<laughs> is it going to help the plot? No, no. She's just going to whip him out. <laughs> yes, it does. She, you have to believe that she's a prostitute. Like, literally, like, literally the two times she whips her tits out, <laughs> there's, like, no point for her to whip her tits out except, well, like, to see, like, hey, look at them, wh- those, those wabos. I mean, it's kind of a touching scene when she does that the second time when, when Dan Aykroyd is sick in bed and she's like, I, you know what I've got to do? I've got to fucking whip my whip my shirt off, whip my pants off, wearing a nice little near G-string, and just cuddle in bed with him. Fuck fuck getting sick. You know what? I don't care you know, if I get sick. I'm, I'm cuddling want, close to Dan Aykroyd. You know what? Well, you know what? After COVID-19, she's a fool. <laughs> if, right, man. Man, sick with a hundred. You put an fever. X on that door, and you get out of there. <laughs> you, you know what you don't do? You don't go like if oh he's got a hundred and three fever, the power of my tits will lower lower his fever. No, he's dying. <laughs> he's dying. <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, I did. Wanna... I, I think I almost think that's what inspired in Scrubs, like in the first season when Elliot Sirachuk's running around and she's whipping her tits out to, to miracle cures. Because mm-hmm. we see like her like cuddle with like you know take her dress off and then her ba- you know boobies are just hanging on to him and he's like oh you're so nice and the next day he's up reading the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in all seriousness though. Jamie Lee Curtis looking really good in this movie. Got a great figure. What Adrian Barbo wishes she looked like. That's right. That's right. John Carpenter's watched this movie and is thinking, huh, missed opportunity. Could have had her in. Uh, <laughs> Could have had her in Escape from New York. Yeah. Um. All right, but but anyway. I digress. I don't need to talk about <laughs> boobies first thing. In the, we're a proper pod, movie podcast. We, we don't talk about that sort of thing right off the bat. Um, no, but the movie <laughs> the movie is about Dan Aykroyd, who who uh, expertly plays this, this uh, rich. And he, you know what? Too when we first meet Dan Aykroyd's character, he's not extremely snobby. Or, like, something that you think about, like, a nice stuck-up rich person like the Dukes no, he, are in this movie? No, no he's snobby. He's kind of snobby. He's, he's having he's having breakfast in bed. Who the... Okay, here's one of the things that media has blown up over the years. Breakfast in bed. Who the fuck wants their breakfast in bed? Eating a stack of French <laughs> toast and maple syrup and bacon and sausage and be like, Ah, shit, I got... I know. I got, what a disappointing I, morning that would be. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter if you've got the help, you know. But a disappointing morning no, but, for anybody else eating breakfast in bed. You've got your yeah, you got your French toast sticks. You pull them out. <laughs> I don't know what rich person is eating French toast sticks in bed. <laughs> Frozen French toast sticks. But uh, you pull your French toast stick off the plate. And, whoa, what a disappointment! It fucking dripped a. A dollop of syrup on my bed. I'm like gonna the, need to throw these in the wash now. <laughs> it's garbage now. Like, like I like you always think to like uh, any like film with like a mom and it's Mother's Day or mm-hmm. like oh we made breakfast in bed and it's like you little shits. I'm gonna get butter all over my fucking sheets and you know who's gonna have to wash them? Me. Well, I know the realistic way to go, thing about that too is like you have your tray on your your bed. You're eating nicely and then all of a sudden somebody talks to you. You whip your elbow around. Boom! There goes the, sh- the there goes the mimosas. <laughs> There Coffee goes the yogurt all over the bed. 
coffee all over your crotch. You're burning, you're scalding hot. It's I like know. the old lady at McDonald's all over again. A nice anniversary romp in the bed <laughs> has now turned into throwing the laundry in. But anyway, I don't think he's. That- By the way, I, that's also something I missed too. Whatever happened to the pajamas? The nice striped pajamas that look like Scrooge's pajamas. You know, all it's missing is the nightcap to go with it. Well, Scrooge had a ga- a nightgown. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you. Yeah, I know what you mean though. I actually have a pair of actually buffalo plaid pajamas, and I don't wear them because I'm too fucking hot when I get in bed. I I was like long sleeve shirt. Pants? No, these are coming off. <laughs> then I just put on a T-shirt. Um, but anyway, what I was saying, I don't really think Winthorpe is like stuck up, snobby in the way that we see the Dukes later on. You know, like or the the general guys that are at like the uh, um, the the club that that they're all a part of. You know, he he definitely is a rich person who has uh, be- become part of that class where he doesn't really recognize like the lower people but i don't think he's particularly snobby and i think that's why the eh. films um eh. the, the films being able to to sell his change works because you know he kind of just seems more aloof like people live like that you know i don't I know i just there's classes well, I mean, there i'm the high well, class you're the low class well i mean that's the problem that that does make him yeah, that because the fact that he's aloof in the I first guess, time. I guess yeah. I, what I'm the saying is time, like I don't know fir- that he's intentionally like that. He's more like this is just society, and this is what I've had forever. You know. Oh, does it mean it's okay when a black band runs into you? Yell, oh, oh, he's st- agreed. <laughs> agreed. <laughs> he's 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 stealing the, the payroll checks. He's like he's got he's got a weapon. I don't want your briefcase, man. Here you go, Eddie Murphy. Like, I don't want your briefcase. <laughs> he's, he's assaulting me. He's. I know. It is a great scene uh, with how over the top it gets. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I love the, the opening of meeting Winthorpe. You know, like you said, he's getting breakfast in bed. Coleman's serving it to him. He basically gets everything that he wants. What the fuck was up with the 80s and having butlers everywhere? I don't know. What was up with uh, Mr. Deeds and having butlers everywhere? Well, that's different. Was, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Like, he's like... Like, 80s films, like, if you had any money, there's just butlers littered everywhere. It's like anytime you watch, like, an anime and someone's slightly wealthy and you have that episode, like, they go over to the wealthy friend's house, they're like, you have a butler? And they're still wearing, like, 1920s, like, butler gownery. <laughs> like, like this is what's supposed to be expected. Like, Coleman. <laughs> like, mm, yes. Well, that's kind of the joke here, too, right? Like, that they are kind of, like, ridiculous royalty in the sense that they have, like, the stupid like rich person club that they go to um the liberty club yeah <laughs> it's ridiculous and then not only that but like when you see them all having a meeting together like we've all come here today to discuss something uh where they where they actually kick winthorpe out because they get him for for stealing in quotes um they they, they like bring up the fact that he says is, is there a lawyer in here and everyone's like <laughs> they're like <laughs> everyone is uh, it's just you know it's it's those funny little jokes that that are ma- mocking like the uh, the upper class uh, hoity-toity society that I think works really well in training places. Um, but the whole idea is that Winthorpe works for this you know this uh, uh, what would you call, investing firm 
Is that commodity? Co- com- yeah, a, com- a commodities brokerage firm. Yeah, in Philadelphia. So for once, we're not. I, I forgot as I was like taking notes to start off with. I'm like, wow, they really cleaned up the city real quick. <laughs> and then like, oh wait, it's not New York Never mind. City. It's, it's Philadelphia. Yeah, but did, didn't you see that opening scene where they're going into the bank and it's like got bullet holes in it? You didn't see that part? Yeah, yeah there's like that one shot of them going into the bank window. The window's got like three bullet holes in it. Um, yeah, but the the whole idea is that Winthorpe has been working for this company. Uh, he's you know doing very well for himself, and the Dukes who own this company, Randolph and Mortimer. Are, um, great names. Yeah, I know it's great. They they're they're uh, curious about a, a little social experiment where what would happen if they took Winthrop <coughs> out of his cushy uh, job and his cushy apartment and everything, or and uh, swapped him with Eddie Murphy's character, who is uh, basically begging on the street, pretending that he's a military veteran who's got his legs blown off in war and he's also blind. Um, and hold on, hold on. He's not just. They're not just switching. It's because he's he's a Negro. That's true as well. Yeah, that's that's the other part of the social experiment. Could a Negro do that sort of thing? Could they? Could they? Could they succeed? You know, because it's almost like a different species or something. That's <laughs> pretty much what it comes down to, and with the Dukes. But it's a, it's it's, a, it's it's so overt, but also flippant about it at the same time. Like you know, the, the fact that like like today it'd be really like really galling. Like, I can't believe like he sat there and called him a negro, and like they're all just treating it like yeah, that's that's how that's how it is. Yeah, old men yell negro every now and then. <laughs> you guys hear? Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it it goes even further at the end of the movie. Later, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's that's actually still, like, kind of a surprising moment when that happens. You got Eddie Murphy listening in the bathroom, and you hear the N-word being dropped. It's a great moment. But um, before we get to that, obviously, we, we were talking about the setup for this movie. So they swap places, and basically the Dukes install Eddie Murphy as, you know, the in the position that, uh, that uh, Winthorpe is in. And they give him his house and they give him, you know, pretty much everything that he would need. There's a great scene where they're originally giving him this this house and he's going through the house and like stealing everything. He's like <laughs> just, you know, making a show of like putting it in his pockets. And they're like, you own this. You don't need to steal this it. Is, this like, is sure, yours. Sure, sure, sure. He's got like just constantly with the cigars, like pocketing them. Like, no, no, you don't have to do that. You own this, which makes no sense either because they bought everything. Yep. The, the fact that like everything is bought under dime, and the fact that Winthorpe was kicked out that easily means you don't own it; they own it, and they're letting you use it to their graces. Yeah, that's besides the point, though. But just like the fact that he takes that vase and he's like, "Oh, uh, uh, I'm like the whole globetrotters out here," and, uh, <laughs> da, 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 and then he drops, and he's like, "Oh, I, I didn't mean that." And like, that's okay. That vase is $35,000. And he's like, oh, shit. And he goes, but the insurance policy on it is for fifty grand, So you made us some money right there. And he's like. <laughs> yeah, it's, so great what else the, it's great how. And the, then, he's, then, then he goes, so what else do you want me to break? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, so you want me to break some other stuff? No, 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 no. <laughs> but the, the Dukes are great. I mean, Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici, they're really good in this Hilarious. movie. They do a great job, especially 
Um, they steal the show. Yeah, they especially steal- Don as Mortimer because he does have that like he's really gruff. But like in that scene particularly where they're talking about the how much the vase costs is thirty five thousand, like he has that look on his face like, God damn it, you know, what the <laughs> fuck have you done, Randolph? And then all of a sudden he's like, But it was. But we we ups we, we upcharged the, the uh, insurance on it for fifty thousand, so he ended up making us fifteen thousand dollars, Mortimer. <laughs> and then there's like this pause, a quiet pause, and then Mortimer's like <laughs> <laughs> It's great. It's great. It's just great delivery with that. I know, the, uh, they definitely steal the show throughout the entire film, just like, you know, being such shit bags, yeah. you know, un- unlikable asshats. I and... assume that's how Elon is, like, in everyday life. Probably yeah. worse than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yes, my child died in my arms. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. It, yeah. it didn't, didn't happen, Elon. But no, like, so, like, it's great, but no, the, the funny thing is, though, is the duality that they set up. So we get to see uh, Winthrop going throughout his mundane commodity brokerage life and walking around all hoity-toity like, no, no, I can't do that. I have a date with Penelope tonight. Mm-hmm. And talking to all his buddies, and they're like, oh, you're so lucky. And he's like, it has nothing to do with luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, like the banner they have. And they're seeing, you know, Eddie Murphy on the street basically just speaks, you know, as the war veteran. Think you know doing his uh, shtick, and basically, you know doing Eddie Murphy bit. Yep. And then when we get them running into each other, and when they run into each other, you know Winthrop's like, "Oh, he's trying to steal my briefcase, and he's trying to kill me, and he's a black man with a deadly weapon. Get him, ch- charge him. That no good vagrant, you know." And that's not what happened at all. And then we get to see when. The Dukes turn, you know, like, oh, we're going to ruin Winthrop's life to see if it's really nature versus nurture. And, you know, put uh, Eddie Murphy in that place. The same things that happened to that happened to Eddie Murphy are basically what happens to Winthrop the whole time. Like, the same things where, like, he's framed, he's beaten, accosted, you know, gets thrown through the ringer. And just that nice duality there that Landis sets up there is really great and works really well to watch that. And to kind of watch as that's going on to see Dan Aykroyd be like, man, this really fucking sucks, but not really to have the empathy to be able to, you know, relate it to his past experiences until, like, the really end, the very end of the film. Yeah, the movie does a good job, too, of, like, setting it up because, it, you know, as he meets uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who's a prostitute working on the street, um, he realizes, you know, over time, like, she's a really good person and she's still just trying to make ends meet. And they're, you know, it's that whole duality of seeing Eddie Murphy go on the opposite side of the spectrum um, and it experienced like basically what rich people have and how that can corrupt things too. Because, you know, there's that whole scene where he goes to the bar, he basically buys everybody drinks and they love him. Women love him. Champagne. Yeah. Champagne. Which by the way, who's going to a fucking bar like champagne, please? Rich people. Well, what fucking bar are you going to where they're like, oh, hold on. But not only that, champagne's not even good anyway. So well, like, yes, you... it is. It's... No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Like, what are you wasting your money on for, you know? Well, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> champagne uh, hater. 
It's um, not good. It's he not goes, good. you know, he, he goes to the, this, he brings everybody back to the house and he finds out like everybody's just basically trashing everything, not really respecting <laughs> him. And I think at that which point, is, which is great too. Cause it's right. It's like right after, like he has a, the scene of the Dukes where he's like smashing, you know, breaking, trying to steal shit. And they're explaining to him like, no, this is yours. And now they like, they're all there and they're dancing on this Persian carpet and putting, you know, fucking cools i was laughing so fucking hard at that when he's like when he's like who put cools out on my fucking on my rug who put cools out on my rug this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> like you know as he's realizing like oh i've been given all this this is my stuff now i don't want these assholes you know clod hopping through and you know making a mess of my nice persian rug and all that shit it's great. I, I love that. That whole part's really fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, she this this uh, this idea that you know you switch these guys around and then find out like what the other half lives like is not new, but of course here it's done to you know great comedic effect, and um, it's actually somewhat bleak too at times. You know, uh, later in the movie when it's Christmas Eve and and uh, there's a big um, Christmas party going down at Duke and Duke and basically Dan Aykroyd storms in and tries to make his last ditch effort to be like what the fuck is going on uh and why was I set up for all of this and you know basically Eddie Murphy set me up with all of this and stuff like that tries to plant drugs in his desk and stuff um you get this bleak moment at the end where you know he's basically like a crazed Santa at that point we're, we're back to like the you know silent night deadly night Santa uh, showing up here, but you know he's wearing a Santa suit outside. In the he rain. looks just like him. Man. He's so fucking like rugged and like beat the shit. Yep. And the <laughs> the whole bit when he goes into the Christmas party and he's like pocketing ham and a whole fl- when he shoves like that whole fillet of fish down his fucking like shirt. I was laughing so because <laughs> it's just so fucking stupid but like really funny and the looks people are giving him as he's like just like shoving crap constantly into his pockets hilarious yeah i mean like that that scene where he's out in the rain and uh you know basically puts a gun to his head and, and pulls the trigger and it doesn't go off and then he throws it down and then it goes off after i mean it's a pretty bleak scene you know he's ready to commit suicide because of how much his life has slipped away it's uh it's pretty pretty great, you know, to see see that happen and how how the uh, movie progresses to that point um, with a comedic effect too. So I, I really like that how it kind of goes to towards a, a bleak place, but it has a lot of um, of elements that really pull it back towards like you know fun and kind of you know emotional and um, empathetic too. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is uh, one of the probably one of the um, straighter characters in the movie you know she she plays it she's not really super comedic the only time she really gets very comedic is when she's uh basically being pippy long stockings <laughs> on the train uh when they're they're pulling off their heist um she's supposed to be fucking german she's like she's wearing she's wearing leader hoses and shit and she's like danke and the <laughs> I think it's pretty but, funny that like, Butler's like, shouldn't you be German? <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, no, I'm Swedish. Probably like the le- like I would say the last like 45 minutes of the movie, the movie kind of 
goes off the rails a little bit, but in a really great way. Because it's, you know, for the most part, Trading Places is, while it's comedic and stuff, it's it kind of is centered in reality. And then towards the end, it really goes a little bit of a different direction. It goes John Landis. Yeah, exactly. Because- John Landis really comes in and he, like, takes away, you know, he even kind of harkens back to his uh, starting point with Schlock, you know, because we get the, the, the gorilla character and stuff. Um, he, he definitely goes John Landis to a certain extent and he, uh, he gives us some really weird and funny moments that, that I think are probably some of the, the best set pieces from trading places. Um, I love, I love that train scene where, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is Pippi Longstockings and the, um, and Coleman is sitting there being like a fucking Irishman. <laughs> Irish priest drinking. Yes. I, the, by the way, I mean that whole part's really funny because, like, hello, I'm I'm exchange student from Cameroon. Right. It's you it's know? almost like uh, that's that's pre coming to America for Eddie Murphy there. Well, yeah, it's yeah coming to America didn't come out until eighty seven, eighty eight. Right. But I mean, I mean it's it, it is really just hilarious and. I mean, Dan Aykroyd's blackface is fucking awful, but really funny. <laughs> well, I, I just, I really like because it really, it's really awful blackface, and then he's like stereotypical, like uh, Rastafarian, like. Ah! I know. I really like too that you have Clarence Beeks just sitting there, and he's like, "What the fuck is happening?" But at the same time, he's just kind of taking which, it in. Play, I say, which played by. The always underrated, delightful Paul Gleason. True, true. The I mean, like the whole like when Eddie comes in, and he says like "Merry New Year." He's like, it's, <laughs> it's Happy New Year in this country. We say Happy New Year, and he's like, "Oh yes, my English not so good." And then the comes the Irish priest comes in. He's like, what, "Would you like a drink?" He's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and then Jamie Lee Curtis comes in and puts his tits in his face and he's like, yeah, I'll help. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is uh, that I think Paul Gleason does a really good job is when he's taking the phone call in like the payphone, and a woman is just waiting behind him, like waiting to use it. And he's he's, like, oh, he's doing he's like, I don't know. It's great. He's doing like the, he's doing like the code. He's like on at the, at the, you know, we'll be meeting at the Hilton on, Garage D, yellow floor, orange floor. That's funny. And the lady's standing behind him. He's like, hey, fuck off. (laughs) It just keeps going. It's it's hilarious. He does does a great job with that because he's got to be so brusque. And, uh, you know. I don't think there's a role where he hasn't really ever been curt or terse. You know, that's kind of a shtick. It's great. I think he does a really good job in this one. Um, Yeah, but... I think the, the the probably the last forty five minutes for me are the greatest parts of trading places. Like you get the whole train scene, you get the the trade off <coughs> with the uh, with the which is frozen... also like let's say which is also like just a big fucking like acid trip though because you got fucking Al Franken meandering about as one of the cart handlers like hey man what's going on you know it's my turn to drive yep and then you got. Unfunny Jim Belushi running around. James in a, Belushi in a in a <laughs> gorilla suit and just being like, ah, "I'm a wacky gorilla. We're partying. Yeah. Isn't this fun?" 
Seriously, who the fuck does like New Year's parties like that? Where I don't know. Dress, I've like, never. Like it's Halloween. I've never attended a New Year's party like that where it's you know you dress up for Halloween. Not only that, when they're leaving the station, he's hanging out of the train holding balloons. Like, there's not like a personnel like get inside, sir, or you'll be ejected from the train. Like you know. <laughs> you, like 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 where, like where's the safety on that he's just like dangling out like oh, it's fun no well unfortunately jim jim is uh not super funny here but you know no he does not, have no. his bit yeah. rule and he did star in uh the hey arnold movie so you gotta give him that yeah he's, he's the voice of uh coach wittenberg well, yeah, I know, I knew that, but that's not the, he's not the star of the movie. No, <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> he's not. He doesn't star, but uh, he is in it. So, got to give him that. What do you do when you get the ball? The answer: pass it to Tucker. So <laughs> 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 it's one of my favorite Hey Arnold episodes. Yeah. Get the ball, pass it to Tucker. <laughs> Arnold, you did not pass the ball to Tucker. So, so what do you think about the uh, the really chaotic, um, you know, frozen orange juice trading on the floor that Hilarious. happens at the end of the movie? What a fucking goofball idea. I want to know <laughs> whose idea it was, like, to make that, it, like... It really up, like, is a weird it, it, goofball it, it, idea. You're right. It sums up, it truly sums up, like, the innocuousness of, like, commodities trading and, like, trading in of itself. Like, gold, pork belly, soybeans, you know, all these valuable things that... Frozen concentrated orange juice, like. I mean, which but, that I say, which which that commodity had to have sunk because uh, who the fuck in twenty twenty two is buying uh, concentrate orange? I juice? know, so easy to just go out and buy like simply orange. Um, no, but it is really a weird thing because how many people do you think are watching Trading Places and they're like, no, they know what's happening with shorts and calls. And cornering the market, right? No, you know, it's, like it's, you know what I mean. Like just like thinking about like how it's explained. It's not really explained what they're doing. <coughs> so you just kind of have to know that that's what's happening, like for, within the stock market. No, and, I say the average person's gonna have to go to Google and do like a search. Because like, what were they that, doing there? Why was everybody yeah. buying? What was happening? I was say if you if you didn't take like an economic. Granted, I mean it's during the Reagan year, so maybe like as Ronald Reagan is your president, I will make sure that everyone knows what what shooting. Why are you, sh- Mister Burns? <laughs> you sound because like Mister Burns. Because Ronald Reagan is essentially <laughs> fucking Mister Burns. You sound just like Mister Burns, though. <laughs> Smithers. Smithers. <laughs> Because that's what Reagan is. He's a ghoul. He's a cretin of a human being. Which, oh, speaking of cretin of human beings, I love the fact that at Duke and Duke, on Mortimer and uh, Randolph's desk, they have portraits of Reagan, Nixon, Hoover, like all these cretins of capitalism just like lying around on their desks. Absolutely. Why not? These nice- these portraits, like, I was dying <laughs> laughing, because, like, you know, it's probably the first time we've seen this film in HD, so it's like, you get to see all the good shit, and it's just like, <laughs> like the shit that you wouldn't notice while you're watching it on, like, Comedy Central back in the day, yeah. it's just like, holy shit, there's a nice portrait of Nixon right there, huh? there's one of Calvin Coolidge, there's one of Herbert Hoover, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> One thing I, I thought was hilarious was when uh, <clears throat> Dan Aykroyd was uh, having dinner with, uh, what's her name, Penelope. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm, I'm getting very hot for you right now. Let's retire <clears throat> to the bedroom. And they retire to the bedroom. And then they just start Not like... living living room. And... The living room, yeah. And they just start, you know, taking their clothes off very like nonchalantly. Just like, you know, it's like, it's like almost performance art. Instead of like sexy time, it's it's just like, okay, I'll get out of my suit. You get out of your your dress. And they're talking about yeah. Oh, <laughs> as they're getting undressed, like, are you coming <clears throat> to the can, the party? Party on day after New Year's? Yes. Wait, no, we can't. I'm busy with the commodities market. <laughs> oh, oh, Winthrop, how could you? Well, I. Uh, you know, and then the butler intrudes and. It's great. I love that part. Which I love, too. Like, apparently they're engaged, and she's like, well, if that's the case, then I'll just hang around that Thomas. And he's like, oh, that playboy. And it's like, aren't you? You're supposed to be engaged. And then, later on, after Winthrop is going through hell, she hops. It's not even, like, two days later, and she's already off fucking this Thomas guy. Like, I know. Uh, so I love. I was say I love. I love the whole part too. Like when he's getting processed to go to prison, and they take off his clothes, and they're like, fine. Like one, at, you know, wallet with credit cards, and then one plastic bag. PCP. And I take angels. It. PCP. Angels. Just, that's you know what that does to children. And then throughout the rest of the film, like I heard you were selling heroin. And he's like, no, it's it's PCP. <laughs> like, like, like I don't like. I think they forgot. Like maybe it was originally supposed to be heroin, and the guy fucked up his line. They kept it in, like yeah. PCP. But it's, I don't know if that was intentional or not. But it's just fucking hilarious. After that, like for the rest of the film, like you were selling heroin. And like he's like, no, it's PCP. That, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> So we we haven't talked about it, but what, what how uh, would you characterize the um, the Christmas feel in this movie? Delightful, yeah. It's got Christmas trees, Christmas parties. Um, it's got Christmas and, Eve. Yep, and Christmas, very gaudy Christmas trees, very eighties with like the garland being like this uber silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very Christmassy. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas film. I would just, say I would agree. Just because, just be, I say, just because it doesn't, it doesn't start off with "It's Christmas time here," like a Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. It's a Christmas film. It's a Christmas film. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It is a Christmas film um, because it does have that um, distribution of Christmas in it. You know, even though that it's not constantly taking place with various Christmas events, Christmas music, stuff like that, in the backgrounds, you're always pretty much getting. Christmas stuff and then it's a nice segue movie too into New Year's because the last part of it does take place at New Year's so it's a good segue movie it's it's it 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 is the whole holiday season rather than just Christmas so I would I would agree I would characterize this as a Christmas movie what else did we talk about how'd you think of Dan Aykroyd in this um, I thought he was, he does a really good job. I, I think he, uh, does a, a fine job as, you know, rich, 
uptight guy at the beginning. And then the, the uh, way that he transitions later on in the film definitely makes sense. I think that they do a really good job of, um, of selling that, like, you know, it's almost like a, the, a, an entire personality change. And I think they do a really good job with that. Um, I think the Canadian is... accent comes out incredibly well at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Who do you think is better in this movie? Eddie Murphy or Dan Aykroyd? <clears throat> um, I'd say Dan Aykroyd because Eddie Murphy, for the most part, <clears throat> he's great. Eddie Murphy is great in this. He's really, he really is funny, but it's basically Eddie Murphy in this is just kind of playing an Eddie Murphy skit with his <laughs> laugh. And, and not only that, know, but hey, hey, get the fuck out of here. You know, like, you know, goofiness. Yeah. Later- it's funny, but Dan Aykroyd's a little more nuanced. Like, I mean, he, yeah, is he playing a sh- the straight man? Yeah, but he's got more range than Eddie does. Well, and I think that actually Dan Aykroyd, you know, he... He does play the straight man for a small part, but he actually goes more into, you know, the more comedic territory than Eddie does because Eddie's kind of going the opposite direction. He starts out comedic and then he goes more into a straight guy instead of the other way around. So I think like Dan Aykroyd actually gets more to do because of that Um, because because Eddie's kind of got to transition into the stuffy, you know rich guy i know two two days in that he after uh dan goes off with a handgun dressed as santa trying to plant pills and on him he's like well you should get a job and yeah <laughs> like <laughs> he's doing the same thing like well you should have a job why isn't he doing this why is he spending his money on pills you know yeah <laughs> it's great i love it but i mean truly though the, the two stars of this film are Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Hilarious. Comedic timings on point. Great facial expression, expression especially from Don Amici. Like, he's, like, really charismatic. And it's great. Um, granted, now that this is a 40-year-old film, uh, your mileage is going to vary on some of, like, the uh, dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the scripting, you know. Agreed. I, I I don't know if, at least not for me, I don't think it's it's something that I would say is really damning. It's just kind of more a funny product of its time. Yeah, I mean. Kind of, I, I say kind of the same way like a Blazing Saddles is. Like yeah. As, as, you know terrible as it may look on the outside when you see it when you actually watch it and experience you know it's like that's fucking hilarious yeah i think we we like we see that quite a bit in the 80s movies you know especially like dropping the the f word the you know the the homophobic f word um happens quite a bit in the 80s movies and it is just it's the ultimate insult of the eighties, like yeah. especially coming out of the seventies. Like, like, well, we can't make fun of black people anymore. What, what are we going to? I know the gays. Yeah, that's it. I de- I mean, because because we got that whole bit where Eddie Murphy's in the fucking uh, bathtub, and the butler's like, "Would you like to put in the jacuzzi?" And he's like, "I I knew this is all some fag shit," and he's like, "No, it's a, it's a massage bath. You'll probably enjoy it." 
And then he puts it on. He's like, oh, that is nice. Yeah, we, the only way we used to do that is fart in the tub. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that, like, you know, it's, it is, again, it's just a product of its time. And, you know, you just either you put it, you put up with it or, you know, you it not it's not acceptable, but it's just what they used to do. So. But, yeah, um. I guess other than that, I don't really have anything else to say about Trading Places. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, I think you know it is a really good movie from John Landis. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's his best. No, it's not. But it's you know it definitely is a a really good movie to watch. Um, probably number three. Mm-hmm. Probably number three after Blues Brothers and Coming to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably an American werewolf in London would be number four. So uh, it's a, I say it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> it's kind of again like I I kind of wanted to pick this film too because it's also like when we did American Werewolf in London, a film that used to be very in the cultural zeitgeist that has very much fallen out of the zeitgeist for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it is because it is kind of harsher in content than some would feel, you know, stomach to to these days. But it was something like, you know, that I remember being like kind of parodied, you know, quite a bit back in the day. And now it's something that's kind of just, you know, you know, if you just show this to somebody from Gen Z, they'd probably be like, what the fuck are, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And you'd be like, oh, you'd have to, you know, explain, like, oh, this is what this is, you know. And there's Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs, and, you know, she was in Halloween 3, and it was shitty, and... <laughs> you know what this movie was missing, though? When when Dan Aykroyd was running around as drunk Santa, pounding that, you know, bottle of Crown Royal, I think it looked like. It wasn't his alien skull vodka. And right. him going on uh, going on a tangent about you know espers and ghosts and other <laughs> things, you know. <laughs> All right. So on a scale of, have, I was saying, have, you, have you ever seen that or not? The alien skull vodka. Yeah, I've, and then, like, and then I haven't him seen just, him going on about it. No, and then just him ranting about you know like yes, there's espers and ghosts everywhere and. No. <laughs> Coming to kill us all? <laughs> nope, I haven't seen that. Oh, you gotta. Look it up. It's great. <laughs> so, on a scale of uh, 0 to 10, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis wigs, what would you give Trading Places? Which wig of her, so? The red one. The red curly-haired one. Red Dolly Parton hair? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I give it an eight and a half. I think Trading Places is really funny. I don't think we really probably did it justice in this review. Which, to be kind of fair, as great of a film this is, it's kind of hard to review because it's very much just like a stereotypical comedy, but it's, again, incredibly hilarious. It has that great John Landis touch. Eddie Murphy's great. Don't want to downplay it. He's hilarious. Right, you know, in prime SNL Eddie Murphy form. Dan Aykroyd's hilarious, too. Uh, playing straight man and slowly devolving into madness. Obviously, the two that steal the show are Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy as the Dukes brothers. They're hilarious. They're great. 
They have great comedic timing. They're funny. The idea is simple. Something that's been well-trodden. You know, this nature versus nurture idea. And what are the out, you know, what are the outcomes? It's just really funny. It's a really idiotic idea, but a funny idea. And it works really well. It's really fun. Uh, and I wish more people would see it. It's a great film. I give it an eight and a half. I forgotten how much I, kind of, I like this film a lot. Yeah, I would, I would give it an eight. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, it has a lot going on with it. The, you know, it, it does the whole trading, switching lives thing very well. Um, with a very unique twist. I think it's a weird movie at times, you know, especially with John Landis, you know, supplying a lot of the, the oddity towards the end of the movie and, and really going ham on that, uh, in the last 45 minutes. And I think, uh, you know, it, it needs the right audience, but it, if it finds the audience, I think a lot of people would enjoy this. It is surprising. I don't hear a lot of talk about trading places. Um, even though I know that it's pretty well respected, I, I, you know, not a lot of people talk about it, so it's it's interesting to uh, to kind of see that. But uh, I think both Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd do a great job. There's a lot of uh, of witticisms here that don't necessarily like have uh, laugh out loud moments, but you know there are some that obviously that that are. But uh, you know there's a lot that are you know kind of chuckle to yourself later on and say like that was you know that was really funny um, that you kind of notice later on, and uh, especially with the the Dukes. Um, those types of things are really great and still, still timely, unfortunately with, uh, mocking rich people. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get, get, a, you know, used to that or, or, um, get sick of that. So, um, it's a really fun movie that, uh, I definitely would recommend checking out. And again, it's a Christmas movie. So check it out for no, your holiday uh- season. I say not like that. We forgot to mention the part where, uh, when Dan Aykroyd's in Jamie Lee's apartment, and she's like, "Here, put these outfits, this outfit on," and he goes out and he runs into his club, which is doing this ridiculous fucking uh, fraternity singing to these their women, and they're just wet in their panties all over. Like, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. And which is ridiculous. Like, who sits there and is like, oh, he's talking about fucking me in college. Isn't this great? And they're all and they're all singing a cappella. Isn't this delightful while we're at the squash court? And then when he, uh, Dan Aykroyd shows up, he's dressed in this, like, ridiculous plaid pants and off-toned shirt and off-toned tie. He looks like fucking Saul Goodman. Like, Bob Odenkirk could do a great job, you know. In a new trading places to play Winthrop, or Dan Aykroyd could possibly be a good Saul Goodman. Like when I, when I was thinking that, I was like, "Wow, we, this is like 1980s Saul Goodman. Wouldn't that be fucking great?" That is true. He does. He does make a pretty good Saul Goodman there. You're right. Yeah. So uh, check out uh, Trading Places again. Like you said, I don't know if we did it justice, but it's hard to talk about. Mostly, you just need to watch it. So. Um. All right, so that that brings us to the last movie, the last, I shouldn't say movie, the last coverage of our Festivus series for next week. We're going to be doing the Santa Clauses, uh, which is the six-episode, three-hour oh, opus. S- six? 
three-hour opus. You said three episodes. No, 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 no. There were three God episodes that were fucking yeah, damn no, it. No, there were three episodes that had been released. <laughs> there are six episodes in total. That's why we had to wait until the last oh. week to do it because it, they don't. I don't think the last episode releases till the seventeenth. So, well, you know what? We're not doing it because uh, I'm not seeing Judge Reinhold on here. So, I don't think he's in it. No, but you know who no. is Bernard. I don't give David a shit. David Crumholtz is back. What about, what about Martin Short? Uh, no, I don't think so. As Jack Frost. No, no. Let's just do a random episode of Primetime Glick then. <laughs> no, we're doing it. And yeah, we, you got to prepare for the three-hour three hour opus. I, I, Tim I just Allen calls s- it a, a an epic movie or something like that. I, so. I just... I just want to see it because everyone bitches about Disney being woke, and now they got the fucking godfather of, I'm the conservative. Back true. on, Back on there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think we should just do episodes of Primetime Glick. I'm curious to see what they do with this. I want to know if they've Disney-fied Santa Claus, or, like, you know, with the, the sequels, or if it's closer to the original, which I highly doubt, but... Watching the original uh, just the other day just really, again, made me recognize how fucked they really did that series. They really messed it up. Because, honestly, the original Santa Claus is an ingenious idea. It's a great idea. It does it all very well, as we talked about on our show. It it doesn't. They go to Denny's and they don't have chocolate milk nor egg dog. They they submarine Denny's business for (laughs) 20 years. (laughs) Denny's stock plummets after a poor showing on the Santa Claus. (laughs) Missing ingredients. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, Just they just did a they just did they did a bad job, and I I want to see if they can rectify it with this. Where I don't know, they're they're calling it the finale, right? Because like Tim Allen's retiring as Santa in this, so um, I want to see if they do they return to the glory. They return to the glory like the Mighty Ducks game changers did with the Mighty Ducks. Uh, Did it? No, I'm just joking. I mean, it's not a bad show, but (laughs) does it? Emilio Estevez is not in season two, so how good can it be? Is he in season one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, in season apparently in season two there was some some COVID issues with uh, Emilio Estevez. I don't know if he got vaccinated or what, but uh, whatever the case may be, he's not in season two. I get it. Case may be. Yeah. So you know what? You know what I say you know what they should do. Um, which, by the way, that's a Disney film that wouldn't be made today. Drunk guy gets a job. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Being a hockey coach to a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. It's a recipe for disaster. You wouldn't be able to do that now. Like, you guys want to ride to home? Like... <laughs> <laughs> why That's are why you I like... swerving? <laughs> That's why I like the big green more. Because uh, that there. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on this goddamn name? I have no idea. Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. Oh, yeah. That there Steve Gutenberg. He's a deputy. He's, <laughs> he's a man to be respected. That's right. All right, so, like I said, next week, the Santa Clauses. We're doing the full series, six episodes, all in one podcast episode. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. I don't know how we're going to do it. Probably need to take notes because, you know, 
I'm probably going to watch like three and three. I'm not going to sit down and watch three hours straight of no, the Santa Clauses. I you need to. I think I I think I would rather die. You need to. So, um, so you'll definitely want to tune in for that. So definitely give us a uh, subscribe on any podcasting network that you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, home base at Anchor.fm, Good Pods, whatever you listen to, we're on it. So subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. On Facebook and Twitter, search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We also have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear us cover, and we'll take that into consideration. You also donate to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Anything you can donate is appreciated. Uh, We'll put it back towards beer. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to our episode on Trading Places. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you come back for the last episode in our Festivus series as we do the Santa Clauses. And until then, take care.